0: You are listening to Where is the Line? The stories you will hear will be depraved, disturbing, and true. If you are easily unsettled, you may find this program offensive. And if you are under the age of 18, fuck off.
1: LSD, the subject of a Senate investigation. The same drug
2: that
0: has been condemned as a social menace, as a source of delusions and aberrations, of kicks that often end in disaster. To science, it is all this, but also something more, an uncharted tract on that farthest of all frontiers, the human mind.
1: Everybody drinking blood, everybody eating brains, some monster party. Everybody eating flesh, everybody breaking bones. Some monster party.
0: Thank you for listening to episode 27 of Where is the Line. My name is Kevin, and with me today is my good friend and someone who gets very excited in the presence of giant wooden spoons. <laughs> Ashley. It's me. Say something disturbing, Ashley.
2: Guys, look, I'm a dragonfly.
0: when you hear the phrase guys look i'm a dragonfly honk your horn so this is the last time i'm going to get to mention this before it happens (laughs) so i'm going to be comped to go see welcome to night Vale, (laughs) and i am still not tired of telling everyone that thanks again eliza rickman you can't go because no. you're doing the gayest fucking thing a gay person can possibly do on that day. Yes,
2: come through I'm seeing share
0: <laughs> Share Yes,
2: I'm very excited. And she's not only doing share uh, share songs, she'll be doing her share covers of Abba. Oh really? Yes, she did a whole album of Abba covers after mm-hmm. uh, she was on Mamma Mia what three I don't know oh, I have no idea yeah she was she she plays Meryl Streep's mom mm-hmm. <laughs> on uh, Mamma Mia one, two or three I'm not sure she, Cher comes in at some point and I then have after, a lot of
0: questions about that that I'm not going to ask right now but I go don't ahead.
2: I don't have the answers uh. but she'll it'll be Cher performing Cher songs and Share covers of ABBA so I'm excited about it but I'm also concerned that it might get canceled so far, she's still touring.
0: I don't think it'll get canceled.
2: I want. I really want to go. Uh, I feel like it's my gay duty
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: to see Cher one more time.
0: But that's what you're going to be doing while I'm getting comped for yeah. the Welcome to Nightville. Cher. I know. I yeah, know. I don't. I don't know how that works yet. I haven't talked to Eliza yet. I don't know if like a car is going to come pick me up. Or, <laughs> you know.
2: No, you're just. You're just going to probably pick up some tickets at will, Kevin. I or
0: no, I know, but I like to. <laughs> You know. The
2: the limo's on its
0: way. Yeah, the limo's on its way. It'll drop me off the back door so I can go directly backstage, which is where I'll be watching the show.
2: <laughs> Special <laughs> throne.
0: Yeah. yeah, it'll have my name on it.
2: Yeah. What's new with you, Kevin? Uh,
0: my dog has been sick. Right, for Mr. the umpteenth goddamn time. The poor little guy. Like he's the sweetest dog in the fucking world. And in just over two years, he has developed diabetes. He has to have two insulin shots a day. He got cataracts in his eye, went completely blind. We had the surgery to put an artificial lens in his right eye. He's been <laughs> randomly attacked by dogs twice. Right. And now he has pancreatitis. So we're dealing with that now. So good good vibes.
2: Good vibes for Wilson.
0: Yeah, Wilson's a good little man. He, I'll put a picture of him on our on our Facebook page or something.
2: I think you should. Wilson is such a sweet boy and such a polite boy. He's so
0: polite. Yeah,
2: he's so precious. So hope he gets well soon. He seems to be doing okay. I was I've been concerned this week, so I was happy to see him. Today,
0: Yeah, he's able to stand up on his own and things now. So he is on the mend. And and as soon as he feels like it, we are going to do as many outdoor dog-loving things as we could possibly do. Because I am starting to realize that my dog just has small windows of health. So we're going to make the best of it. He deserves the best. And you're definitely
2: giving him that.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: I mean... (laughs) Not everyone's going to have a lens put in their dog's eye to help him see. Like mm. you, You've gone the extra mile for Wilson, and I think it's adorable. I need to
0: take him out more. He likes to go places. I need to take him more places. Okay. Anyway, we also have a new tab on our website. Oh. Yeah, so if you check out whereistheline.net, on the merchandise tab, you can buy not only our wares, which are strikingly unextraordinary. <laughs> You can also uh, click on links to shop from some of our more talented listeners. So there's lots of paintings. I ordered a severed penis necklace from one of our from one of our patrons. Etsy store hasn't gotten here yet, oh, so don't, you can't look around. I for keep
2: it. looking for the severed penis necklace.
0: <laughs> yeah, but but no, I've uh, these are artists that I really admire who actually listen to the show. So we made a little page on our website. So that they could uh, sell some of their extraordinary stuff right alongside our unextraordinary <laughs> stuff. Speaking of patrons, we actually have a couple of new ones at our depraved level, Kevin Edwards.
2: Nice. We've got another Kevin.
0: Yeah. Kevin had, uh, he, he messaged, uh, he commented on our Patreon page. He had thought that we had forgotten about him. Oh, no. Because we didn't mention him last time. But the thing about Patreon is that they give you a list of like the new patrons once the cards get charged. So if your name doesn't appear on the list before we record, then it Mm -hmm. doesn't show up in the episode, but it'll be on the next one. There is no fucking way that we're going to forget any patrons. Never. Well, we might. Because (laughs) it might be
2: delayed by an episode.
0: Well, yeah, yeah. And it might also be my fault. But this one was not my fault.
2: We're sorry, Kevin. Still.
0: We we are still sorry.
2: I'm sorry for this, Kevin.
0: And at our disturbed level, Hannah Reese from the UK. Nice. Do you know any uh, English phrases? Tally ho.
2: Tally ho. I don't really think I do.
0: Fish and chips.
2: Yeah. Oh, fish and chips. But is that really a phrase?
0: Hmm. Well, thanks, Hannah Reese. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm like I'm, I'm lost.
0: <laughs> oh, and we've got a, we've got another patron that we have to mention, <laughs> Amber from Alabama. Oh snap! Has somehow managed to patronize us and unpatronize us three times. What? <laughs> she keeps she keeps somehow mistakenly becoming a patron. But anyway, thank you for becoming a patron three times, Amber from Alabama, and you should call her voicemail again because uh, I've heard tell that your voice is sexy. Oh, snap. Yeah, we even had a, we had a voicemail one time that was talking about Amber's voice. Oh, wow. Yep. Well, I need to hear this voice. You've never heard Amber's voice? I'm sure I have. You need to listen to our show, Ashley, because she do. used to call in a lot. I I'm mean.
2: telling you, I have a terrible memory, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> I know who she is. I know who Amber is. One hundred percent.
0: Oh, she's fantastic. Love her.
2: So does this mean she has three
0: separate patron accounts? No, she's not paying three times. And I don't understand how she's done this, but she only she only has one Patreon account with us. Got but it. she has managed to like do that three times. So I keep seeing her name show up in the new patrons thing. Huh. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah, whatever you're doing, average, yeah. keep on. Yeah. It's fine. So, I think that's it. Are you ready to get in to this episode? I'm ready. Let's do it. In southern France, on the west bank of the Rhone River sits a picturesque village called Pont Saint-Esprit. The village itself looks exactly like what you might expect. Stone buildings with colorful shutters covering their windows sit beneath the clock tower of a 15th century church. The village looks sleepy today, and it probably is, and it probably has been throughout the majority of its history. In August of 1951, though, over 250 residents of Pont Saint-Esprit unexpectedly started tripping fucking balls. <laughs> Husbands and wives chase each other with knives. People screamed in terror and ran from flames that did not exist. A mother howled in grief, believing that her children had been ground into sausages. (laughs) (laughs) By the event's conclusion, more than 250 people would suffer from hallucinatory visions, 50 would be institutionalized, and 7 of them would lose their lives. For decades, the incident at Pont Saint-Esprit would be blamed on bread. It was claimed that this bread was tainted with a particular fungus, and responsibility for this entire occurrence was placed on the shoulders of the village's bread bakers. In fact, in France, the incident is still known by a lot of people as Le Pain Maudit, which means the cursed bread. But is tainted bread really the culprit here? Is it just a coincidence? that this all happened amid the CIA's stint of interest in LSD experimentation. And that's what we're talking about today. The worst trip ever. The mass hallucinogenic poisoning of the citizens of Pont-Saint-Esprit, France. I made it through it.
2: You did good. And that French shit, that French bread shit. Whoa.
0: French bread. French (laughs) bread. Yeah, fuck off, French bread.
2: (laughs) You got me tripping
0: balls. (laughs) (laughs) Have you ever done hallucinogens? I am pretty sure you have.
2: I think I may have mentioned it in the last episode. Oh, Um, did you? uh, Yeah. I had said At some point, I was like, yeah, I've had it on a Sweet Tart or an Altoid. Oh, yeah. yeah. I listed off some different candies. So, yes.
0: I think you're an upbeat person. I feel like you're the kind of person that would not be as inclined to a bad trip as I am.
2: You know, that's actually interesting. So, yes, across the board, I have not had a bad trip, really, ever. Uh, I had one really kind of rough trip, but even within that, I've never had halluc- hallucinations. I've never seen things that weren't there.
0: Mm-hmm. I will have a bad trip every fucking time. <laughs> it's just. Really? Oh, it's just. Did you hear the 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 episode we did where we're. Well, I've told you about catfishing Richard Ramirez.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That P.O. box that I got. I So I got an anonymous P.O. box to catfish serial killers, and we talked about that in one of the episodes. Once I was done with that, I still had an anonymous P.O. box. <laughs> so,
2: <laughs> Wait, how old were you? Uh,
0: this was, I don't know, 20s. I oh, mean, okay. it was a long time ago.
2: But it was here in mm-hmm. town? Okay.
0: Mm-hmm. And I believe I, I, I have framed this as a hypothetical before. So if I were to have had a untraceable P.O. box, I might have used that to order some things with which I could synthesize my own hallucinogens (laughs) and took them to the local pot dealer's house to try them out. (laughs) Now, the pot dealer is a, a guy that does a lot of drugs, said it was the hardest fucking trip he's ever had. This was the first time I had ever done hallucinogens. And so what happened was, you know, we got all this together, we took it, and I'm trying to force something to happen, so I'm looking. They have sponge painted walls, and I'm just staring at it, being like, "Move, move, move," and like nothing's happening. But then it starts moving, mm-hmm. and I'm looking at the sponge paint, and I'm seeing shapes in it, like the same way that you see shapes in clouds. You know, yeah, I know that they're not really there, right? right. But it's just like you know, it's like looking at the clouds when you're not on LSD. Yeah visuals. Yeah, yeah, but I knew my imagination was making up the things that I'm seeing, and it was moving around a little bit kind of wavy, mm-hmm. uh, but everything I was seeing was like, you know, skulls and like all of this morbid stuff, and still, I knew it wasn't real, but the thought occurred to me, I could be seeing anything in the sponge paint. Why am I only seeing all of this morbid shit? What does that say about me as a person? And... Fucking nosedived from that. Like I was trying to call an ambulance. Oh no! I started throwing up because I was like, I am. There's something wrong with my brain. And the only thing that kept me calm, the only thing that kept me from just hitting someone and calling an ambulance, was I kept thinking to myself over and over and over again, I do not have to pay any bills in the mental institution. <laughs> I am going to be locked up for the rest of my life. I've gone insane. This is never going away, but I don't have to worry about utility bills anymore. <laughs> and so I just sat there telling <laughs> myself, I don't have to pay any more bills. I don't have to pay any more bills.
2: I'm going crazy.
0: And that was the only thing that would keep me calm through the whole fucking thing.
2: That's terrible. Yeah. Wow. Uh, you know, they say uh, never look at yourself in the mirror when you're tripping. Mm-hmm. I did that once and I and it was bad. So I definitely don't suggest it. So that's probably the darkest moment of a trip, I guess, is I did kind of, I looked in the mirror and then I started seeing my own skull, like my entire face, but without skin and muscle. (laughs) Oh. Yeah, it was terrifying.
0: Like, I, I saw my skin moving around, but, you know, I'm tripping. This is the kind of things you're supposed to see. Right. That internalization of why am I seeing what right. I'm seeing is what bothered me. Not the things themselves, but right. why my brain's projecting that.
2: Right. No, I understand. Well, also, in my experience when I trip, I, I get very focused on something, whatever it is, whatever I'm doing. or So it was kind of hard to look away at that point.
0: <laughs> <laughs> One of the most horrible things I imagine you could do to someone is... Give them LSD and not tell them. That would be terrible. And that's what happened to this entire town. So as I said in the beginning, the this entire incident, so this town just goes crazy and starts hallucinating, and we're going to get into a lot of that later. But the official explanation for that has always been it was ergot poisoning. And ergot's a fungal disease that affects grains, in particular rye, mm-hmm. which is what a lot of bread's made out of. And the reason it's hard to see in rye is so ergot fungus covers these grains and it's a little bit red in color. So on most grains, which are kind of a tan color, you'll notice that very easily. But on rye, rye grain is brown. So Mm -hmm. that red color doesn't show up as easily. So the eye test for ergot on rye grain isn't as useful as it might be in some other ones. This supposed... Ergot Poisoning and Pont Saint-Esprit, 1951 happens to coincide with a lot of very strange things that the U.S. government was doing at the time, kind of in the shadow of the Cold War. I'm sure a lot of people have heard of MKUltra, which sounds like a conspiracy theory, but it absolutely is not. The United States (laughs) was actually doing this shit. Uh, They were trying to essentially, well, one of the things that they were trying to do was make sleeper agents. So they they were hoping that they would get somebody that they could, would go about their lives acting normal or that they could activate. (laughs) <laughs> and have them become an assassin or some stupid Hollywood shit like that. It was years later when people found out about this, and it wasn't until 2010 that the U.S. declassified some of these documents related to MK Ultra, and then people learned what the U.S. was doing back then. MK Ultra was actually, it wasn't just these LSD mind control experiments. It was 162 different secret projects that were indirectly financed by the CIA. So none of this shit was going on in CIA headquarters. They were paying colleges and universities to do this shit. So professors and colleges all over the country <laughs> were participating in these incredibly unethical experiments where they were dosing people with LSD, sometimes not telling them that they had done it. Right. Sometimes dosing them with such high doses that these people tripped for weeks. Right. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, none of these colleges and universities are going to brag about it, but there's 80 colleges and universities across the country that participated in these covert CIA activities. Eighty. 80.
2: Was LSD like ever used or attempted to be used as like a truth serum? Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah, that was one of the other things that they were doing with it. And so if you if you listen to this and against all logic become interested in this story because of <laughs> what we're telling you, and you get online and look this up, you, you'll find a lot of YouTube videos and things that are, that are going to show an apology by Bill Clinton.
1: What the United States government did was shameful. I am sorry.
0: When Bill Clinton was in office, a lot of documents, CIA previously classified documents, came out. And so for some fucking reason, in every one of these videos about saint Spree, they show Bill Clinton giving an apology. But that's not what he's apologizing for. <laughs> the the apology that Bill Clinton's giving in all those videos is actually uh, an apology to the uh, Tuskegee airmen oh. who they were giving syphilis, syphilis. to. Mm. Another high point in American history.
2: <sighs> right here in Alabama.
0: Mm-hmm. So LSD, uh, the first time anybody synthesized LSD was in the late 30s. So it had been around longer than a lot of people realize. I mean, the general public didn't become aware of LSD until the fucking hippies and Woodstock and all that shit. But it had been around since the 30s, but kind of in a pharmaceutical setting. The first person that synthesized it was actually named Albert Hoffman, which is not Abby Hoffman, (laughs) totally different guy. (laughs) And so there was a lot of research done on LSD during this time where where we did not have the ethical standards that we do today, which are still pretty goddamn low. Through that period of kind of intense study of LSD, it, we found out a lot about it, but we still don't entirely understand it. We know that physiologically speaking, LSD is very safe. It does little to no damage lasting damage to your brain or anything else, unlike alcohol, which, you know, kills all these brain cells, LSD doesn't have that kind of lasting physiological effect. Emotionally and mentally, though, LSD can be devastating, especially to people who had never heard of it. Right. So like I said, we don't know exactly how LSD works because most of this research was done in the 40s, 50s, up through the 70s. But as of 2016, and this might be boring to some people, but I thought I got so I got so <laughs> into this. So here's how, here's how LSD actually works. Tell me about it? as far as we know. Um, <laughs> so LSD acts on serotonin receptors in your brain. And when you think of serotonin, I think people usually think of this as being what makes you happy. Serotonin is actually involved in a lot more, actually 90% of the serotonin that your body produces is in your GI tract, and it helps you with things like knowing when you should vomit or when you're hungry. But the brain also does produce a certain amount of serotonin, and in the brain it affects your mood, and it's why certain antidepressants work in conjunction with serotonin receptors. But LSD, though, affects those serotonin receptors in your brain in this really weird way. To me, the best explanation that I've seen, and there's disagreement among people who have studied it about what's actually happening, but I I feel like the most reasonable explanation that I've seen is that LSD affects your your visual cortex function. It increases the activity in your physical in your visual cortex, which might explain some of the hallucinations. So so your your eyes are becoming very active. But it also has the opposite effect on the part of your brain that controls the ego, your sense of self.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So it simultaneously makes you see things while it's making you less grounded in your own reality. Your visual senses are just firing at the same time that your ability to understand what is happening is being diminished. <laughs> so some scientists have uh, studied serotonin think that serotonin's purpose in your brain might actually be to prevent hallucinations, that if you didn't have serotonin, you would be hallucinating all the time. Um, But when LSD blocks those serotonin receptors, they can't do what they're supposed to do. The serotonin can't do what it's supposed to do. So it's like you don't have serotonin. Am I making any sense?
2: Yeah, you are. So serotonin kind of puts blinders on you and helps you kind of focus and understand like reality versus just seeing too much overstimulation.
0: Yeah. In terms of your visual cortex, some people believe that it it prevents hallucinations that would just be running rampant Hmm. without it. So it's not to to the people who believe that it's not necessarily that LSD is causing your trip. It's preventing Mm. the serotonin Hmm. from stopping the trip, which is always going on. (laughs) So we've talked for probably far too long about how LSD works. (laughs) So back to the point, the the whole topic of the story. On August 15th, 1951, the animals living in Pont Saint-Esprit started acting very strange. (laughs) Um, They said some of the ducks in town, Mm -hmm. were walking in a more upright position than they should have been. The The, ducks
2: were erect.
0: (laughs) Yeah, the ducks were erect. They were walking around like penguins. (laughs) Speaking of erect ducks, did you know that ducks are rapists? What? Oh, it's fucking horrible. I had no idea. Ducks are the worst. I lived at a, a little townhome by a, quote, lake, which was just barely a pond. But anyway, we had ducks. So one day I go out on the porch, and I see what I think is a duck raping another duck. And I'm, you know, I watched this for a while, and I was like, is that what's happening here? And then I Googled it, and sure enough, ducks are just uh, generally rapists.
2: So a duck just ran up to another duck was like, We're, I'm, put, I'm getting it in.
0: Yeah, and the other duck was not down with it. Not oh. at all. And that entire time that I lived there, I saw so many duck rapes. <laughs> <laughs> so many duck rapes happen.
2: Oh, that's terrible. Yeah. I've never seen ducks there, but I'm not there often. So yeah. there you go. Interesting.
0: Yeah. Anyway, ducks are assholes. At least the men are. Anyway, <laughs> Ponce and Esprit, 1951. Erect Ducks. ducks. Er- <laughs> ducks are acting crazy uh there was one report of a dog that was jumping up and down and running around in circles and then started gnawing on a rock and wouldn't stop and broke his own teeth out before he died oh no so that was the first sign the animals are acting a little crazy very crazy
2: yeah extra crazy
0: just shortly after that Doctor's offices in Pont Saint Esprit start just filling up with people. And it's starting to become apparent that there's something, something's happening. Something a little weird's going on in this town, but it's it's still going to be a little while before the shit just really hits the fan. So these first people that start coming into the doctors at Pont-Saint-Esprit, they're suffering from just sudden depression, anxiety. Mm. Some of them had stomach problems, nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, that kind of thing. Mm. So the doctors are initially thinking, we've got some kind of food poisoning, something like this going on. Then after that, these same patients who had come in to see these doctors start complaining of insomnia. Mm. A lot of them go several days without sleeping at all. Then around that time that the people are reporting the insomnia, uh, the people reporting the insomnia are sweating a lot hmm. and they smell bad. <laughs> and uh, there, there's several accounts of people saying that the smell of the sweat that was coming off of these people were, was comparable to decomposing rats.
2: Wow. That's a description.
0: Yeah. But it was was weird that a lot of people likened the odor that was coming from these people to dead rats, which is a pretty specific odor if you've ever smelled a dead rat. And then people start complaining that their buttholes hurt, but they also think it's funny. (laughs) (laughs) So so I found an article from a British medical journal, came out in 1951, and the British medical journal described these people as, quote, giddy. (laughs) That
2: their buttholes hurt. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Well, not that their buttholes hurt, but their buttholes hurt. They stink. They're sweating. They're anxious. Right. But they're also uh, finding a lot of humor in things that you normally wouldn't find humor in.
2: Well, how sleep deprived have you ever been, Kevin? Once you start not sleeping, it just kind of makes you go extra bonkers.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, like I I don't sleep a whole lot anyway, so it's not unusual for me to go a couple of days without sleeping. I get that kind of euphoric, kind of drunk feeling. Right. But were I someone with a butthole, I can't imagine that I would laugh about Mm. it hurting. (laughs) And so, for a lot of these people to get affected in Pont Saint-Esprit, this is as far as it goes. Okay. But for... The rest of the people whose symptoms don't stop there, they start hallucinating. Yes. And you have to imagine that this is a, a time in which LSD is not known to the public yet. Right. And these people don't know what's happening to them. And that makes for a lot of really bad trips. The most common hallucination that, that people were having was, well, there were two. A lot of people thought that they were on fire. A lot of people thought that they were being attacked by various animals that didn't exist. But some of the people apparently had a more creative subconscious than others. Uh, The local mailman believed himself to be shrinking. (laughs) (laughs) He had
2: an Alice in Wonderland moment.
0: (laughs) He thought he was very slowly shrinking into nothing. Um, I think I said at the beginning there was a mother who believed that her children, who were perfectly fine... Had been ground into sausages. Uh, There was a kid that ran screaming through town for help because she was being chased by tigers. Exotic. Yeah, there was one man who broke apart his living room furniture so that he could use the wooden pieces to fend off monsters. Oh, wow. And two people actually jumped out of a window. Uh, One of those people, before he jumped out, said that snakes were eating his brain. Mm. And what did the other one do?
2: Oh, the other guy, he said, "Guys, look, I'm a dragonfly," and proceeded to jump out of the window to his death.
0: The former, the uh the one who thought that snakes was eating his brain. Right. When he hit the ground, he broke both of his legs and got back up and kept running. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Stop. It's <laughs> the worst idea ever. <laughs> How do you keep running after you break your legs, bro? Uh,
0: Probably awkwardly. (laughs) (laughs) He probably wasn't running in a straight line.
2: I would imagine crawling, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Oh, no. I mean, the
0: reports were two broken legs, jumps right back up and takes off running.
2: (laughs) Was, Was there someone that jumped into a river?
0: Yeah, somebody jumps into a river, his friends pulled him out, so he he wasn't one of the casualties from it. Right. And so this is just what's going on in town. I mean, imagine you're not one of the people affected by this. You walk out your front door in the morning, a little fucking kid runs by screaming about lions, there's people jumping out of windows, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The ducks are standing
2: up. Yeah. There's fire. They're surrounded by fire or they're are on people fire. people
0: claiming that they're on fire when right. they're not. Right. Um, and so this is what's happening in town. And in the hospital, things aren't that much better because, you know, uh, these people are out loose. Some of these people have gone to the hospital and they're getting treatment. And so everywhere in the hospital, there's people tied to beds. People in straight jackets, they're doing anything that they can do to restrain these people because they're trying to hurt themselves because of these visions that they're having. And this is all made worse because so these people are hallucinating all these terrible things. And while that's happening, they're being tied to beds and put into straitjackets. And, you know, as we talked about earlier, they've kind of lost the sense of self. They don't really understand what's happening. And so this is just feeding into these hallucinations and delusions more and more and more. Right. And so the people in the hospitals are having a really bad time.
2: Yeah. For anyone that's ever taken any type of drugs, (laughs) paranoia is pretty... (laughs) Like, I don't know. I've always been very paranoid when I trip or smoke.
0: Yeah, I am just day to day.
2: <laughs> no, for me, it's got to be drug-induced. I'm not that paranoid if I'm sober.
0: <laughs> no, I mean, I'm, par- I'm not paranoid that, like, oh, the cops are coming. Right. Or, you know, it's usually, like, I'm talking too much. Oh, no. Which is really probably not paranoia. <laughs> <It's probably>, no. <laughs>
1: <it's>
0: Self-awareness? Probably- <laughs> yeah, I'm not paranoid. I'm just self-aware.
2: I can't imagine tripping, not having slept for days. Like I saw one guy in an interview say that they didn't sleep for 21 days. Now I don't even think that's physically possible. Um okay. but maybe. And I can't imagine just all of this stacked on top of each other. It's just and then oh, I'm in a straitjacket in a uh, in a ward in the hospital like what? <laughs>
0: Yeah, And because of the weird way everyone's sweating, not only are in these straight jackets and tied to beds, right. the whole fucking hospital smells like a dead rat.
2: Well, that's the other thing. If you're up for days fucked up in some capacity, are you thinking about bathing? No, you're not. <laughs> you're worried about the fire that's outside your
0: door or, you know, the tigers. Well, yeah, but what about the guy that's in the hospital because he broke his toe? <laughs> he's like, what the fuck is going oh, on in here? You're talking about the other people. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's I'm more like, Dude. people in the hospital, right? Than just the, you know, the <laughs> tripping people. Oh, gotcha. You know, I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It must lot. have been ter- I mean, it's funny, but it also must yeah. have been t- fucking terrifying yeah. to have been in the town while this is going yeah, on. Yeah,
2: true hysteria, probably.
0: And so, you know, altogether by the by the time this shit finally settled down, seven people died. And at least four of them died in a very uncomfortable manner because a lot of these people were having muscle spasms and seizures and things. And so four of the people that died, died amid these muscle spasms Mm. of heart failure. So shortly after this happened, the mayor of Pont-Saint-Esprit, who at the time was Albert Hebrard, talked to the New York Times about some of the things that were going on. And Hebrard described the scene as, quote, The nightmare that has come to our village. And he went on to talk about these people who were throwing themselves out the windows. How the animals were acting. Mm. You know, so Pont Saint-Esprit goes through this big ordeal. Things start calming down. They're still trying to figure out what has happened. uh, But whatever it was, seems to be going away. Until about 10 or 12 days later, and everybody starts having fucking flashbacks. (laughs) (laughs) so about 12 days later the whole fucking thing happens again no one else died right no one else died so in that initial incident seven people died right in the flashback episode a lot of people had a real bad time (laughs) uh but i don't believe anybody died in that that second episode so after everything finally goes completely away they start looking into this, what happened at Pont Saint-Esprit, and the explanation that most people come up with, are, you know, the common explanation, is ergot poisoning, which we talked about earlier. And to blame something like this on bread sounds really strange, but there is precedent for this, and there's actually a lot of precedent for this. Ergot poisoning was something that was, I wouldn't say prevalent, but... It happened in the Middle Ages, uh, not unfrequently. And uh, then they called it St. Anthony's Fire. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of people have probably heard that term, even if you don't know where you heard it or what it means. But uh, St. Anthony's Fire refers to ergot poisoning. And it's called St. Anthony's Fire because St. Anthony is the saint that people would typically pray to when they started developing symptoms of ergot poisoning, which they didn't know what it was then. Hmm. So there was ergot in the rye grain
1: mm-hmm.
0: around Pont Saint-Esprit. It may have been a little more potent than previous harvesting seasons because uh, that particular summer had been especially wet in the area. And so that could have led to this fungus. Among us. Yeah. <laughs> this fungus growth <laughs> kind of uh, expanding beyond what it normally normally would have. But... It's not like this is the only rainy season France has had. And St. Anthony's fire, ergot poisoning, had not come up in France for over 130 years. Hmm. And so everybody's blaming these bread makers. They're like, you should have known. Right. You put ergot rye in our bread and you caused this whole fucking thing. And the millers, the bread makers, are like, no, this is not unusual. Yes, there was probably ergot in there, but it's not an unusual amount. And one of the millers actually offered to just eat some of the bread. And um, I don't know if he ever did or not. Oh. I saw an interview with him where he said that he would. Uh, but I never saw if he actually did. But the, the Millers were convinced that this was not ergot poisoning.
2: Right. I saw in uh, an interview someone that was there when it happened. They were saying that the Baker was initially mm-hmm. blamed and then the Miller, as you mentioned, and they were locked up for a while. They were like put in jail. But then they, they were released a few months later, from my understanding.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the Millers and the Bakers caught hell, hell over yeah. this. And a lot of what was going on at Pont Saint-Esprit does kind of line up with ergot poisoning. But ergot poisoning also leads to gangrenous extremities. Mm -hmm. Um, So a lot of the people back in the Middle Ages, the days of St. Anthony's Fire, along with these things, they would develop gangrene in their fingers and their toes. And just looking through the primary sources, the accounts of this, that were released at the time, I only found one instance of a doctor reporting uh, gangrene in one of those patients. Hmm. And the way they reported it didn't sound that extreme. It was kind of like it was on her toes. They were a little discolored. They believed it was gangrene, but it wasn't wasn't prominent in her toes. Like, they, they thought it was gangrene. Not really sure. There might have been more of that, but I never came across it. So what actually happened? In Ponce Spring Esprit. There's a lot of theories. Um, I mean, the most common one, ergot poisoning, mm-hmm. which is actually the likely explanation. A lot of those theories about what happened are just completely fucking stupid. So I'm not <laughs> going to talk about them. But there is one, though, that seems to have some legs under it. Yeah. It's, I'm not sure if I believe it, but there's a lot of, there's, the explanation is the CIA. <laughs> Did it. Um, And most of this conspiracy comes from uh, H.P. Abarelli Jr.'s book, A Terrible Mistake, The Murder of Frank Olson and the CIA's Secret Cold War Experiments.
2: That's another good name, by the way. H.P. Abarelli Jr.
0: It is a good name. It's a good name. So I believe this book was published sometime around 2010. Yeah. So in Abarelli's book, a lot of the lines that he's drawing between the U.S. government. CIA and what happened in Pont-Saint-Esprit comes from the Rockefeller Commission investigation, which declassified a lot of CIA documents. And there was a lot of damning stuff in there. Now, Alberelli's lines between the CIA and Pont-Saint-Esprit are not direct lines. He's making a lot of inferences. So, for example, the things that came to light during the Rockefeller investigation were things that are very similar to what happened in Pont-Saint-Esprit. So uh, we found out that the U.S. government was testing biological weapons domestically. <laughs> uh, we we were releasing non-fatal pathogens onto the West Coast, Florida, public transit systems to study how those things would move through the population Uh, When they released it on us, their Mm -hmm. own citizens, uh, they tried to make sure that some of the stuff wouldn't be fatal. Right. But who knows what they would do if they were to try it somewhere else, like in France. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the most compelling argument that that gets made about the CIA being responsible for what happened centers around Dr. Frank Olson. Mm -hmm. Dr. Frank Olson was a specialist in bacteria who got hired by the U.S. government to research and develop biological and chemical weapons. And so he's working with the government. He's heavily involved in LSD experimentation. Frank Olson, for some reason, was in France a month or two before uh, what happened at Pont Saint-Esprit. And so he's there. A month or two later, this mass hallucination episode happens. These people die. Shortly after that, it said that Frank Olson starts getting depressed. Now, that that part, whether or not Frank Olson was depressed, I'm not sure if that's verifiable. I haven't seen any firsthand accounts of that. But what is verifiable is that in 1953, right around Thanksgiving, one of his superiors in the CIA spiked his drink with LSD without Olson knowing about it.
2: They dosed his ass.
0: About a week later, after that dosing, Olson decides that he no longer wants to work for the CIA. He doesn't want to pursue any more weaponization of biological or chemical substances. And then shortly after that, he throws himself out of a 10th floor hotel window.
2: Yeah, that was in New York, I think.
0: Mm -hmm. So Olson's family for a long time believed that Olson just got depressed and became suicidal. Right. They didn't know that he had been covertly dosed with LSD until the Rockefeller Commission reports came out. And when those reports came out, they tried to sue the CIA but settled out of court for $700,000. They wanted $1.2 They yeah. came away with 700000 Right. So since that never went to trial, what really happened to Frank Olson never got revealed beyond what we know from the Rockefeller Commission reports.
2: Well, they also exhumed his body and had a, an autopsy again. What did they find? I think he had, like, head trauma previous to falling 10 floors. So there's a speculation on, like, him maybe being hurt before he was possibly thrown out of a window. Uh, yeah. There's uh, a there's an entire Netflix show about this. It's called Wormwood. Yeah. Yeah, I've watched it.
0: And <laughs> I have not seen it. Yeah. But I, I do think that the uh, United States has kind of a history of uh, when you decide that you no longer want to be affiliated with the CIA or the FBI, mm-hmm. people tend to come become suspiciously suicidal right after that.
2: Right. Well— when his wife got the payout, Ms. Olson got the payout, part of that, like, that she signed a contract with the payout saying that she uh, or her family, his, his, you know, his family wouldn't try to ask any more questions about it going yeah. further. Like, you know, or or blame the government for what happened to him. Yeah. Which is all very suspicious. <laughs>
0: yeah. Another thing that came out in those Rockefeller documents, so inside them we found out that the U.S. was – employing several French nationals. We don't know exactly why. And that Pont Saint-Esprit does get mentioned in those documents. Not in any direct way. Nobody says we gave the people of Pont Saint-Esprit LSD. But we do know that around the same time, Olson was in France. Around the same time, the CIA was employing French nationals and... Amongst the areas of these documents that have not been redacted, Pont Saint-Esprit is mentioned.
2: There is somewhere that I read that there was a laboratory that was synthesizing LSD within a few hundred miles of Pont Saint-Esprit.
0: There was a pharmaceutical company near Pont Saint-Esprit that was uh, was one of the developers of LSD, one of the only developers of LSD at, at that, that time. time. And what's even a little more interesting about that is that when medical professionals were dispatched Pont San D'Esprit to see what was going on, mm-hmm. some of them came from that same pharmaceutical company that was developing the LSD. Correct. So. Suspicious. It's all circumstantial, but there is a lot of circumstantial evidence which is a weird word to put next to circumstantial i know that people do it <laughs> but it's a weird juxtaposition of wording to say circumstantial evidence anyway <laughs> what do you think
2: i'm on the fence again um but i would i, I don't know i lean towards the lsd theory but kevin doesn't i know you
0: don't <laughs> well you know i don't know i i i feel like ergot poisoning right. could explain this right I would not put it past the U.S. government to poison a city in another country. Right. I wouldn't put it past them to do that now, much less 1951.
2: Exactly right.
0: (laughs) Um, But just because it's the kind of thing the government would do doesn't necessarily mean that the government did it.
2: Right. No, definitely.
0: But I'm not going to draw a hard line either way. (laughs) I am about 75%... Ergot. Urgut the rye bread, mm-hmm. and about 25% U.S. government just doing what the U.S. government does.
2: <laughs> right. I would say I'm uh, maybe 60-40.
0: In favor of the U.S. being responsible.
2: Probably, yes. Absolutely. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, uh, we'll never know.
0: <laughs> well, we might one day. Okay, hopefully. Hopefully. We might one day. So So, um, what do you think? Happened in Pont Saint Esprit? Was it the uh, CIA LSD experiment? Or was it just bread? Maybe let us know. Thank you so much for listening to episode 27 of Where is the Line? New episodes come out on the 1st and the 13th of every month. So if you enjoy the show, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next one. You might also consider checking us out on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, Our friends over at Earth Oddity have had a huge spike in their Facebook following. Hmm, They've got like three times as many Facebook followers than we do.
2: On the group? Or yeah. on the or I guess. Yeah, and their the same. group is
0: just constantly fucking popping off. I listened to their most recent episode, they can't even keep up with the shit that people are posted in there. Great. and you know, I love those guys so much and I, I really want nothing but the best for them. But also I don't want to have the least popular podcast within a one mile radius of my own fucking home. <laughs> I mean, seriously. Tiny lives like a mile from here. Right. <laughs> so, you know, join our Facebook. Say some stuff on our Facebook group, too. You know. Yeah.
2: I I try to post stuff. I'll try to post more. Yeah. And Instagram. I've got to get better at Instagram.
0: That posts some it, memes, whatever kind of crazy <laughs> story. I don't care what you post. I don't censor any of our social media so if you put something up and it gets taken down Facebook or Instagram did it not me
2: yeah the only reason yeah the only reason it would be taken down is yeah, it is a public, it's it. a public group though so I mean some hater could come to our Facebook page and just start reporting shit just cause they're pissed or whatever
0: well I'm not gonna take anything down I don't even care if somebody's homophobic and they start slinging slurs at me no. or if somebody is height adverse and starts slinging slurs at me I don't care what I don't I'm not gonna take anything down.
1: You
2: tall motherfucker. Yeah. No,
0: I ain't taking it down. I don't care. Call me a tall motherfucker. <laughs> we got a couple of reviews to get to. Yeah. Our first review comes from Red Rum six one three. Do you know what Red Rum is? Spelled backwards? Murder. Yeah. Shining. Yeah. Red Rum six one three writes, Love this podcast. I'm only a few episodes in as I've just found you guys, but loving it so far. Hilarious great stories, and great chemistry. We'll be recommending. Nice. Thank you so much. Thank you. Red Rum 613. And uh, thank you to anyone who suggests our show to someone else. Absolutely. We appreciate it. That's that's, uh, pretty much the only way we grow. I keep bugging people and
2: sending sending my friends my friends links, <laughs> friends that aren't familiar with the podcast yet. I am like, hey, listen, I'm on that. <laughs>
0: no, I, I most people I don't I, I don't I am so fucking horrible at self promotion, like. I won't tell people about it. I didn't tell anybody I was even doing this for a long time. Yeah. And then if anybody does come up to me and ask me about it, I usually just tell them it's terrible and they wouldn't like it and they shouldn't listen to it.
2: Yeah. I can vouch for that. He brushes it off. Like if we're out, uh, like out of the bar or something and I'll try to brag on it. This was before I was on the show. (laughs) Um, I would, I would brag on it and brag on Kevin and he would just like, yeah, brush it off, walk away. Like, Oh, it's terrible, but I, I like it. I think it's pretty good.
0: <laughs> oh, I have well, to, I'm so glad that my co host thinks that our show's <laughs> pretty good. It's
1: pretty,
2: it's okay, man. <laughs> listen, so I uh, told my cousin uh, that I was on a podcast now, and he was like, Well, which one, which one did you start with? And I was like, You don't want to listen to that one about the Fem Daddy, the Fem Dom. Uh,
0: Why would he not want to listen to that? That was one of our best episodes.
2: Well, he's my first cousin <laughs> and a very good friend of like, we're really close. But it's Alabama. Uh, Yeah, and we were accused of kissing cousins a long time ago. I won't get into it because it was not true. But... (laughs) He decided that, yes, he was going to listen to the episode where we talked to the fem daddy. And he was like 10 minutes in going, I don't think I should listen. I should have listened to this. (laughs) I was like, I told you better. But he he, he enjoyed it. He really enjoyed it. But like, I went really hard at the beginning of that episode and went through a lot of information that he had no idea of. So, yeah, that was uh, an experience.
0: What specifically did he not know?
2: I mean, like he was like really, Ashley. You pegged somebody in a playground. I was like, no, I didn't peg somebody. I was getting fucked. Like, Does come he not on, know you? He knows. Why me. would
0: this be surprising to him? I guess is my question.
2: Well, I hadn't talked about whether. I don't know. I guess I had told him <laughs> that we talked about pegging, so he he automatically thought I was pegging somebody in a playground in Tennessee. I'm like, no, not I, yet. No, exactly. I don't have my <laughs> I don't have my uh, my kit yet, but. Um, Anyway, he was like, oh my god, what did I get myself into?
0: <laughs>
2: anyway, tell me oh, tell my me another poor review. mother. Yeah. Did she listen to it?
0: I don't know. I hope not.
2: <laughs> you told her not to multiple I specifically, times. Specifically,
0: I almost named the episode Mom Don't Listen.
2: <laughs> That's great.
0: Our next review comes from Steve Clark73. Steve Clark73 writes, Hello from Scotland. Oh wow. Brilliant podcast with superb hosts. I honk my horn. Stevo. Nice. Thanks Stevo. Yeah, thank you. I often wonder if people actually honk their horns when they hear it, the phrase of the show. I know what you're talking about, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> Stop shaming me. I have listened to this podcast. No, no, I'm not shaming you. It's just like when, so we'll say, you know, oh, this is honk your horn when you hear this. And I almost never catch it in the middle of the episode. Like, I'm the one that says honk your horn when you hear this. And then we go through the episode and get all the way to the end. And then I'm like, I don't remember ever saying the thing. yeah, But I always do.
2: If I'm listening to it in the car, I honk my horn. When you initially tell us to honk our horn. Well,
0: that's not when you're supposed to <laughs> and honk And
2: then i honk it again. I just want to get an extra honk in. Well, okay, all right, all
0: right. All right. <laughs> Breaking the rules. <laughs> Breaking the rules. Yeah. Moving on to voicemails. Oh, our first voicemail is the second one we've received from a man with a very handsome name. This is from Kevin. Hello,
1: this is Kevin from Groveport again. Good old Ohio. So I wanted to say that I am now on your Patreon. I think I'm on the Depraved rating. I don't know. That's for you to decide. Um, favorite curse word? Blood-gurgling vaginal fart. There you go. Put that in your gray matter, and I'll be there tomorrow to give you a high-five yesterday. Toodles.
0: Blood-gurgling vaginal fart? Yeah. Is that what he
1: said? <laughs> I think so. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we don't, I don't listen to these before... Before Ashley gets here I hadn't heard this yet So yeah, Kevin's got That's his second shout out of the show Because we talked to him at the beginning About him at the beginning For being a patron And now we got that voicemail from him
2: Wow, that's a good guess word
0: That is (laughs) Thanks a lot for that voicemail, Kevin
2: Thanks, Kevin That was a good one And thanks for being a patron again
0: As I haven't heard this next voicemail I'm not sure who it's from yet But here we go
1: Hey guys, I really love the show. I started listening when Ashley started. I did sort of fall in love with Samantha as I went back to the episodes. My favorite cuss word, curse word, is Fuck, or da fuck, like D-A-F-E-Q, I have a disturbing story to tell. When I worked in the ER, I had a patient come in who complained of foot pain. He took off his boot and then unwrapped a wet paper towel from around his foot. Um, This is an African-American man, but his foot was translucent white. And you could see that he had gangrene at one point on this foot because there were edges of dark green necrotic flesh. But burrowing in the visible tendons and ligaments were maggots who ate that gangrene. So we put him in a room and give him some pain meds and then and another nurse for 45 minutes irrigate the maggots out with saline and tweezers. It was really disgusting. It makes me nauseous just thinking about it. Yeah, so that's my gross story. I've listened to every single episode now. I'm all caught up and I can't wait for more. Keep up the good work. Bye!
0: That is exactly the kind of voicemail wow. that this show needs. Oh. And thankfully, sometimes gets. Wow. I love the stories from the nurses.
2: Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Ashley
0: was gagging a I little was... bit while that was while that was playing. I was <laughs> we haven't done a super fucking gross story yet with yeah. you. Yeah. It's coming.
2: I'm though. I'm honestly excited for it. <laughs> 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 but yeah, that made me gag a little. Once she started talking about translucent skin.
0: Oh, and the maggots. Oh, no. Yeah, timely, too. Gangrene was a part of uh, this episode story. So, know uh, yeah, sometimes these voicemails are weirdly yeah. timely. On topic. Before I listen to these voicemails, I can see the Google translation of what it believes the voicemail to say. Uh-oh. Google believes that this voicemail says only birthday cake that was dead. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what? <laughs> hey, Justin, and hey, you This is a from Alabama, and I am driving a cigar. work. She the past today, And I know you guys are not, so not, not a podcast. So, uh, I just about out my I hope that the but she's in the car, and I'll talk to you guys later.
0: Well, clearly, Google Trans. (laughs) Google Voice to Text's impression that this person said birthday cake that was dead is wrong. Yeah. Did you catch who that was, though? No. That was Amber from Alabama. Oh, shit. Again, we were just saying at the beginning of the episode that Amber from Alabama needs to call. We need to revise that now that Amber from Alabama needs to call while her car windows rolled up.
2: Yes. (laughs) Did she say? She said, my name at some point I'm pretty Maybe. certain Maybe
0: I'm gonna have to do some uh, I'm gonna do some work on that And see if I can like Pull out some of the background noise And see what was good said I there.
2: heard Ashley And I heard something about She needed that laugh I got that out of it
0: I just heard Amber from Alabama
2: Oh nice See, That could have been maybe I'm just over here going, Yeah, they said something about me.
0: <laughs> it's probably well, I'm probably going to do some work on this, and yeah. it's going to turn out that it's not Amber from Alabama <laughs> and that whoever it is said absolutely nothing about you.
2: I do think it's someone from the South, I do think it's <laughs> someone from maybe Alabama. Um, <laughs> and if it is Amber from Alabama, she's my first Facebook friend uh, oh, that's that added got me, from the show? yes, from the show, and she's so sweet, she's super, she's super nice.
0: If you'd like to leave us a voicemail of your own, you can get in touch with us at 386-227-7848. Do you happen to know what that spelled?
2: Dumbass tit?
0: Dumbass tit on your phone dial. Again, that number is 386-227-7848. That's going to do it for this episode. Thank you all so much for listening. We really appreciate it. And we'll see you again soon.
2: Deuces. (laughs) I'm sticking with it.
0: (laughs) Do it. Oh, fuck. Am I recording? Please, dear
2: God. Yes. I was like, no.
0: Kids, when
1: you go to bed, stay away from your closets and don't look under your bed.